In its just-released ID fraud report, Javelin Strategy and Research notes that despite upticks in consumer data theft, fraud losses linked to theft of personal information actually dropped in 2013. Here, Al Pasquale, Javelin's Senior Analyst of Security Risk and Fraud, and Joe Vaca of Intersections Incorporated, which is dedicated to consumer fraud prevention and education, share highlights from the research and explain why fraud losses decreased in spite of new risks. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Alan Joe, as I noted during the introduction, this of course is a report that is just now coming out. In fact, it's the 11 year that Javelin has published a report that focuses specifically on ID fraud. For the purposes of this report, can you just give our audience some background about how ID fraud is defined? Absolutely. Uh, we use the term identity fraud uh, because we actually took this report over from the FTC uh, about 10 years ago, maybe almost 11, 2004. That is a term that they went with and it's one we feel comfortable in using and basically what it means is the misuse of consumer PII to obtain something of material gain um, and as opposed to identity theft. Uh, which we simply consider uh, obtaining someone's identity uh, without actually using it to commit any fraud. And so how is data for this report collected? This is a consumer survey. Uh, this goes out to over 5,000 consumers every year. Uh, at this point, I think we're well over 53,000 total having been surveyed. Uh, we have longitudinal data going back since the start of the survey. And this is using an address-based methodology. What that means is if you're a consumer that we wish to survey, and you don't have a computer, we actually give you one to complete it. So we try to eliminate all bias. Um, but this is a uh, consumer-focused survey. So Al, based on the information that was collected for this report, what seems to be the number one ID fraud concern among consumers? Well, in this report, what we're really trying to capture is the consumer experience over the past year as it relates to fraud. So we don't specifically ask you know, what their concerns are around fraud, but rather um, what types of fraud they have actually suffered as consumers and then we look at the behaviors that may have lent themselves to fraud. So we'll ask about things like their use of mobile devices, um, their use of passwords, which we found some really interesting findings there that we think really contributed uh, to some of what we saw in the fraud rate. And then we also ask about uh, whether or not they've been data breach victims. And we had some really interesting findings there as well because there's a strong relationship between breaches and fraud. Timely that you should mention data breaches, Al, because 2013, of course, has been a banner year for data breaches, namely card breaches that have resulted from point-of-sale and system compromises at retailers. Were some of these card compromises included in your research this year? Uh, some of them were. Uh, we actually went to field just before the target breach. So that data was not included, but to be honest, even if we had managed to just catch it, we still wouldn't have been able to see any fraud related to it because that's going to occur over time. But we know that the Neiman Marcus breach uh, started in July, uh, so it's possible that some of that data was captured, depending on whether or not anyone was notified by their issuer. Uh, but otherwise, there were more than enough breaches in 2013. I mean, we had Bosch's, we had Schnucks. Uh, I know that there were some large insurance company breaches. It was it was a pretty serious year, not to mention Adobe and others. Now, what we see in the news and what consumers are experiencing um, and the data that we're finding about the relationship between breaches and fraud doesn't resonate and, you know, ferment some change, then I think <laughs> as a whole we should just give up on the whole, on the whole venture because right, the data is truly compelling. Unfortunately, you know, consumers are getting these notifications. They're suffering fraud at a greater rate than ever before. So it's one in three, basically, uh, data breach uh, notification recipients, right? One in three data breach victims became victims of fraud in 2013 strongest correlation that we've ever seen before. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, while consumers can do a lot of things to protect their identity after the fact, 
you know, after a breach has occurred, is a major challenge for them when it comes to figuring out how to avoid being a breach victim. Yeah, just to layer on to that, I think what's most frustrating for consumers is that if you think about the target and other breaches, there's really nothing they could do to prevent those. So they're going along with their lives and then they're involved in this breach and as they see from the study, that drastically increases their likelihood of becoming a victim. It's frustrating for them, but what's important is, as Al said, they need to take each breach notification seriously. One of the things that I found interesting about the data this time around was that fraud losses linked to compromised data actually decreased in some cases, but they didn't decrease across the board. In fact, in 2013, as you noted, one in three consumers who received notification of a data breach wound up becoming a victim of fraud. Can either one of you clarify what type of breach and the kind of fraud that was included here? Uh, well, we asked uh, consumers about a wide variety of breaches. So uh, obviously we captured information on consumers who were notified of credit and debit card breaches, which are represented there. Uh, but we also asked about social security number breaches, and we asked about breaches for online credentials, such as those used to log into their um, financial accounts and other financial account information as well. So this covers the gamut, but in reality, when you look a little bit closer, it's the card data that has the strongest correlation. If you are a card data victim, there is, I think it's over a 40% chance now that you're going to suffer fraud in that same year. And that's the highest we've ever seen before. In 2012, a fraud was most often linked to compromised social security numbers. And in 2013, fraud was most often linked, at least according to your research, to compromised debit cards. Can you explain why, Al, you think there was this difference here, and does a lot of it relate to the uptick or the increase that we saw in retail breaches? I think when it comes to that relationship between you know having your social security number compromised in a breach and suffering fraud and having your card numbers breached and then suffering fraud, uh, that shift is really, I, I think, due to the ease by which criminals can misuse that information. And they've figured out not only how to misuse it really well, um, but also how to steal it quite well, as we've seen, again, in the news, you know, with some of these larger breaches. Whereas social security numbers, they're certainly the keys to the kingdom you know, when it comes to PII, allows criminals to do a lot of very bad things. But the crimes that they're used to facilitate are more complex and involved. Whereas if you compromise card data, um, I mean, it's an easy one, two, three kind of thing. You get the card data, you uh, encode it on some white plastic, and use it at the point of sale. Or if you get enough data, you can go online and make a purchase, and you're done. You know, social security numbers, you have to jump through a lot of hoops. So we've seen you know, card data online hold its value. Meanwhile, full um, identities are dropping in price. It's not just in our data. I mean, we're really seeing that everywhere. You know, card data is the big thing now. Card fraud is just recognized among the bad guys as the easy way to get paid, and um, I mean, that's why I think we're seeing a shift. I would just add that another important point there is really around passwords and password hygiene. I think more that you'll find that other areas that are compromised as part of breaches could be related to a password. And if customers don't have good password hygiene and use multiple passwords or use one password for multiple accounts, as the report says, their risk will increase. It wasn't just these breaches related to cards that saw an uptick from 2012 to 2013. Fraud linked to account takeover also increased over the same time period. Was this limited to financial fraud, or were there other types of account takeover fraud that increased as well? Well, this was actually um, driven by account takeovers outside of the financial sphere rather than inside. By that, I mean a shift from financial accounts to utility and mobile accounts, believe it or not. Uh, in the past, credit cards, 
checking and savings were certainly favored, but takeovers of checking and savings actually dipped from 41% in 2012 to 28% in 2013. Meanwhile, takeovers of utility and mobile phone accounts jumped from 9% to 29%. So there's certainly a shift here, but to Joe's point, uh, we talked about you know, how passwords and the reusing of passwords certainly puts consumers at risk. We think we're seeing a bit of that here, especially when we start talking about mobile accounts. You know, we've seen that elsewhere too. I mean, we're seeing fraud increase for things like uh, existing loan accounts for PayPal uh, and others, and we think that has a lot to do with password hygiene. But to your point, the takeovers on financial accounts as a proportion of takeovers are down. Um, it's really those mobile and utility accounts that are, that are trying to pop up. Customers need to realize that they're transacting and making financial transactions outside of the normal avenues. So as the mobile phone and other devices become more of a financial transaction mechanism, they need to take proper steps to secure those passwords and accounts. So Joe, would you say that it's most often because of insecure passwords or even perhaps usernames that these accounts are most often compromised? I think it's a combination. I mean, certainly, as the report shows, the more you leverage the same password across multiple accounts, the more likely you are to be a victim of fraud. So I think that we've seen the breaches over time move from data breaches that were involved with someone losing a laptop and moving to breaches like Target where there was a specific design code to gather information for illicit purposes. So if you set yourself at risk and you have one password for multiple accounts, you're going to become a victim. The other thing we've seen in actually in previous data was the uh, misuse of social security numbers as a means of account takeover. And that certainly played a role this year as well. In Javelin research, we've noted the fact that financial institutions are prone um, to allowing consumers to use their social security numbers to access accounts. And as long as that remains a factor, Javelin's seen up to 80% of the institutions we examine they're doing just that. As long as it remains something that's available for authentication, uh, the industry certainly has to worry about account takeover there as well. So one of the things that was noted in the report this year is that even though we saw account takeovers increase, fraud losses actually declined. How is it possible for these fraud losses to have dropped relative to 2012, despite the fact that ID fraud incidents increased? That has to do with the changing nature of fraud, uh, where last year um, we saw a spike in new account fraud, which is actually very expensive per incident. This past year, in 2013, there was a drop in new account fraud, quite a serious drop, where criminals moved from new account fraud over to card fraud. And card fraud, while uh, pervasive, right, affecting nearly 5% of all U.S. consumers in 2013, uh, has a relatively low uh, mean fraud amount. Basically, what that means is criminals don't get quite as much money out of uh, cases of card fraud as they do new account fraud. That being said, it's certainly easier, and uh, I mean, they have the data to do it. And that's why we think we saw the spike in number of victims, but we saw a decline, actually, in the total amount of fraud losses that were suffered. So, Alan, Joe, what would you say the lesson is here for banking institutions, at least where financial fraud is concerned, especially when it comes to fraud that's associated with these breach debit cards? What should they be doing? You know, first and foremost, we definitely want to encourage uh, good password habits. All right? This is outside of the data breach issue, but um, you know, we've seen it in the data and it's interesting. We found uh, some of our password findings are very similar to what others have found in the industry as far as how people reuse passwords. Um, but we're the first, I think, to be able to show that the more you reuse passwords, the higher your rate of fraud. So consumers need to be encouraged to use unique passwords and, to be honest, 
if we can escape passwords altogether, that would be even better. Um, there are a lot of initiatives out there right now to improve authentication, and we need to move on that as an industry collectively, um, because what consumers are doing now is certainly not helping the situation. Beyond that, when we talk about uh, preventing breaches, you know, EMV is a, a very realistic option, I think. While it may not protect the data itself, it does make the card data less valuable because um, it basically stops criminals from being able to reuse the data at the point of sale. I know there's a lot of talk going on right now about getting it to the states. There's been a lot of holdups. Um, there's a lot of fighting. Um, some folks on uh, Capitol Hill right now trying to figure everything out. But in reality, it will be here. And when it does, it's going to make a big difference. You know, if we can hurry the process, you know, I think everyone would be better off. And then ultimately, uh, empower consumers. Uh, we've talked about this as well for years. You know, financial alerts have become very popular in the industry, providing consumers a way to be notified when there's activity on their accounts. Consumers are going to know best when there's fraud. Um, signing up, allowing them to sign up for those alerts, or even better, providing those alerts automatically, like we've seen with some institutions this year. Um, that's that that can make a real difference. You know, the sooner that consumers notified, the sooner the fraud's put to an end. Uh, and the lower the losses. So I think those are definitely some things that the industry can do collectively uh, to prevent fraud. I would just add, too, that I think that the banking institutions will need to continue to, to make sure that they remain the trusted transaction mechanism. We saw in the report that the number of consumers that avoided smaller online merchants dropped from 2012. It was 50% and dropped to 46%. We also saw drops with large online merchants. And if the public trust is impacted, you may see those rise in the future. So it's really about making sure that consumers trust retailers and will continue to transact. And I think that financial and banking institutions are going to have to address that with new means of security. Again, we've just heard from Al Pasquale of Javelin and Joe Vaca of Intersections. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.